Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin! And this game is underway with a bang! This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Yesterday, we covered just about every topic in the book. We talked, let's see, we talked about the Badgers and about college basketball. We talked about the XFL. We talked about Major League Baseball and some new rule proposals, some new changes that have been thrown out by the front office and by Rob Manfred, the commissioner. We talked about the Pebble Beach tournament. We talked about some golf, which I never do. And we even talked a little on Alaska basketball. We really covered it all yesterday. Now, today, I want to talk about maybe our best team, Maybe our, our the, the team with the best chance to win a title. That's the Milwaukee Bucks. We didn't touch them yesterday. We didn't mention them yesterday. By the way, the Bucks are still amazing. They're 46-7. and seven. They beat the Sacramento Kings last night. Now, Giannis didn't play, so maybe you didn't watch. Maybe you weren't paying attention, but the Bucks, of course, took care of business like they always do. Giannis, uh, his son was born yesterday, Liam Charles Antetokounmpo, with his girlfriend, Mariah. I'm a big fan of, of his girlfriend and of Giannis. They're really, really private about that kind of stuff. Giannis posted a picture of his son uh, and actually put an emoji over the baby's face. Like, they're just a very private family. They want to keep that stuff personal. They want to keep it special to them. So I 100% get it. Giannis didn't play last night. I wouldn't be surprised if he sits out tomorrow. They play the Pacers, which, if I'm looking at the schedule correctly, will be the last game before the All-Star break. Which, the All-Star weekend coming up, of course, this weekend. So... Maybe Giannis plays in Indiana tomorrow, maybe not. It kind of seems like a a perfectly scheduled night to just get one extra night off before the All-Star break and and really make it a nice little mini paternity leave, as big a paternity leave as you can get as an NBA player in the middle of the season, at least. Last night, the Bucs beat the Kings 123-111 without Giannis, and it was the perfect model for how the Bucs have been winning under Coach Bud. So the 2018-2019 Milwaukee Bucks and the 2019-2020 Milwaukee Bucks, if you want a model, if you want a perfect representation of the way they play and the way that they win as many games as they do, last night, perfect example, even without Giannis. Look no further than last night. I'll explain coming up here in a minute. This is the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to talk a lot about the Bucks today, and we're even going to welcome in a friend of the show, a guest of the show who has joined us before, Nate Weggiehow from our sister station, 95.7 The Rock. You might know him as Chaco. He has kind of been our WWE guy in, in the rare instances where we've actually talked about wrestling on the show. We're not going to talk about WWE. That's really Chaco's forte. Instead, we're going to go to another area of expertise, and that's the XFL. So I want to talk to the X, or talk to Chaco, that's Nate, about the XFL. He just, he has specialties in the most random places, uh, one of the most educated and interested people when it comes to the XFL. So we're going to talk about that and relate it to the NFL. So even if you haven't been watching the XFL, it's going to be an interesting conversation. He's going to join us starting at 530. But first, I want to talk about the Bucks. Last night was a really, really tough night uh, for me as I am both a diehard Milwaukee Bucks fan and a secondary fan of the Sacramento Kings. I started being a Kings fan at the beginning of the season two years ago and last year. I loved him. I loved watching De'Aaron Fox. Marvin Bagley was really, really exciting. And then they fired their coach for no apparent reason, and they hired Luke Walton, even though last year was one of the most exciting years 
for the Kings in a while. And as, as a Kings fan, I was excited last year because outside of the Bucks, I like to have a couple other teams to check in on and to cheer for. Last year was the Brooklyn Nets and the Sacramento Kings. This year, the Sacramento Kings are still there, although I don't really understand some of the things they've done. And I've actually changed from the Brooklyn Nets to the Memphis Grizzlies. So those are kind of my two secondary teams right now. Last night, I was very conflicted. Uh, not really. But but a fun night to watch both of my teams. And Sacramento actually hung with the Bucks for three quarters. I, I don't know if that's a compliment to the Kings or an example of the Bucks really just not caring until it mattered. After three quarters last night, the Bucks trailed the Kings. They were down by two at home against a far inferior team. I know Giannis wasn't playing. But still, the Bucks had no business losing last night's game. They were trailing two going into the fourth quarter. And when I talk about last night being a, a perfect model, a perfect example of how Coach Bud and this current form of the Bucks team, which really last season and this season, last night is how they win games. They trailed the Kings by two to start the fourth quarter. Once the fourth quarter started, the Bucks went on a 13 to nothing run. They got five straight stops. And they went on a 13 to nothing run, which was capped by Eric Bledsoe, who kind of did his thing creating offense out of nowhere. That's why Eric Bledsoe is valuable. Last night, Giannis is out. They might struggle to create offense a little bit. Bledsoe is one of those guys where you can give him the ball and he can create instant offense, even when nobody really wants to make their cuts. Nobody really wants to set good screens. Bledsoe can just kind of say, yeah, I'll take it from here. And he capped that 13 to nothing run. Now, the Kings did make it interesting. And for those of you who were watching or were listening on WKTY last night, you know what I mean. The Bucks went on that 13 to nothing run and you thought, okay, this game's over. The Kings made it interesting with about six minutes to go. They pulled within six and then the Bucks responded. Middleton gets a steal and a dunk where he took, I think, one step from the three-point line. Really, one dribble from the three-point uh, three line. Really, really impressive. Goes out, kind of puts an exclamation point on it. And although the game was just eight points, it felt over at that point. And when Chris Middleton threw that dunk down, Marcus Johnson said something. The Bucks color commentator on Fox Sports Wisconsin. Marcus Johnson said something that jumped out to me. And when I watched the highlights today, when I rewatched some of the game, it jumped out to me again. Marcus Johnson said the Bucks grab this game by the scruff of the neck, right? And like, when you when you think of a cat, right? You can pick up a cat by the back of the neck and they just kind of go limp because you kind of got them under control. You got them in your grip. Same thing. And while it might be cliche, it might be just a funny analogy, and that's what sports commentators do, it's really, really accurate. That's what the Bucks do, is they might play around, they might play a little lazy for three quarters against a team like the Sacramento Kings who are not very good. They're okay. They're 21 and 32. And they have some young, exciting players. They're they're trying to build something. But the Bucks had no business losing to that team, and even without Giannis. And whatever. They let the Kings hang around for three quarters. But when it mattered, at home, the Bucks do what they do. They grab the game by the scruff of the neck. They went on a 13 to nothing run. And they basically ended it right then and there because they said, all right, let's quit messing around. It's what the Bucks do. And you know what? It started defensively, which is really what makes this Bucks team so good. Brooke Lopez, I was reading after the game last night. This is what Brooke Lopez had to say after the game. He said, we were saying, going into the fourth, whoever starts playing defense, starts getting stops, is going to take this game away. That's what this group did, who was out there at the beginning of the fourth. It fueled us, and we continued to ride that throughout the whole fourth quarter. The Bucks got five straight stops to start the fourth quarter, and they went on a 13 to nothing run. Simple as that. But this Bucks team does the little things. They do the things that most teams don't want to do. 
They tighten down defensively to start the fourth quarter, and they can end a game in minutes just like that. That's exactly what they did. As Marcus Johnson said, they grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. They held it up in their hand, and they said, yep, this one is over. We got it. It started defensively. The defense, those five straight stops to start the fourth quarter, led to offense. Bucks go on a 13 to nothing run. And when the Kings kind of gave it their last hurrah, their last gasp, they brought it to win six points. Chris Middleton gets a steal, gets out in transition, and throws down a dunk to really seal the deal. A few weeks ago, I said I was bored with the Bucks, Not because they're not good. They're amazing. They're currently 46-7. and seven. They're 28-3 and three against the Eastern Conference. This Bucks team is dominant. But I said I was bored, and games last night are the reason why this Bucks team is boring. Is because I had to sit through three quarters of this Bucks game where the Kings had it close and the lead kind of went back and forth. And at the end of the third quarter, the Bucks were down two, and I'm like, oh, we got a ball game here. Giannis isn't playing. We'll see how this ends. I was watching with a friend, and I and I looked over to him and I was joking. I said, you know what? It just sucks that we have to waste our time for three straight quarters pretending this is a game. Because it's not. Because when the fourth quarter starts, the Bucks are gonna come out and they're gonna end it just like that. And that's exactly what they did. This Bucks team is so predictable when they're playing inferior opponents. Last night, they let the Kings hang around, whatever. They, they got a little time to waste. They got a little time to mess around. But when the fourth quarter started, go on a 13 to nothing run, and it's done. And as Marcus Johnson said, grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And they ended it. And I joked to my buddy, and it was a joke, but it was 100% accurate and played out to be 100% true. I told him, and this was in the second quarter. We were eating a snack. I was trying to make a little dinner, and I, and I told my friend, I said, look, it just sucks that we have to pretend that this game matters for the first three quarters. Because it doesn't. You know, Buddy Heald will hit some shots. And Bogdanovich will make a flashy play. And ooh, Kings making a run. No, the Kings aren't going to do anything. Because when the fourth quarter comes and when the game's actually on the line, the Bucks will say enough of this. And they'll end it. And they did. That's why this Bucks team can sometimes be boring. And last night was a little boring. But it was a chance to appreciate what a well-oiled machine this Bucks team is. They don't have disappointing nights They don't come out sluggish. They don't come out without energy. They win every single game they're supposed to win. Even if it all it takes is one little run to start the fourth quarter. And last night, because the Kings aren't very good, all it took was one run to start the fourth, tighten up on defense for a few minutes, and just like that, the game's over. Simple as that. Last night without Giannis, uh, the leading scorers for the Bucks were Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton. And before we talk to our friend Chaco, before we talk a little bit about football and the XFL, I want to do a Chris Middleton appreciation segment. Now, Chris Middleton, at least for the last couple of weeks, last night looked really easy, looked really simple. He had 28 points, which, remember, a couple of weeks ago he had 51. So 28 in comparison to 51 is just another average day at the office. But Chris Middleton has been Amazing, And I basically just want to have a Chris Middleton appreciation segment coming up next. And I'm not just going to read you stats. not just going to read you averages or percentages. I actually have one particular part of his game that I think if he can keep it going, man, the Bucs are going to march to the NBA Finals and they're going to make it look really easy. I'll tell you what I'm talking about coming up next. Chris Middleton appreciation, Bucks talk around the corner. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Our friend Nate Weggy Howe, that's Chaco from our sister station, 95.7 The Rock, going to join us to talk some football. Coming up here in about 10 minutes, he's a great friend of the show. 
and is always uh, ready and willing to provide insight on some of the topics that I just don't know a lot about. Uh, the last time he joined us, we talked about WWE, we talked about AEW, we talked, well, we talked wrestling, and today we're going to talk football. He's coming up in about 10 minutes. First, we're talking about the Bucks. They beat the Kings last night, 123-111, but that game is really just a tiny, tiny little blip on a really impressive radar of games. The Bucks are 46-7, and and last night, look, the Bucks won again. That's about it. They won without Giannis, which they, they normally win without Giannis. The Bucks are really good. They never lose. So last night wasn't anything out of the ordinary, but last night was another really, really great example of how I think the Bucks are better than they were last year, even though they lost Malcolm Brogdon. And Chris Middleton is really having the best season of his career. He poured in 28 points last night, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. He was tremendous. He was great. And before we welcome in our friend Chaco, I, I kind of just want to appreciate Chris Middleton for 10 minutes. And I'm not just going to read you stats. Don't worry. That would be boring. You can go do that on Twitter. Uh, by the way, follow me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant. You can find more Chris Middleton love right there. Follow us all at WKTY. The problem with Chris Middleton is for the last couple of years, we have been conditioned. We have had these ideas cemented in our brains by listening to Wisconsin sports radio. Because Chris Middleton, for the last couple of years, has been the most polarizing figure in Wisconsin sports. Is he good enough to be Giannis's number two? Is he worth the money the Bucks are going to have to pay him? And if you've listened to any sort of Wisconsin sports radio at all, there's a couple buzzwords when it comes to Chris Middleton, right? Is he number two? What about that contract he's going to get? And by the way, when we have a conversation about Chris Middleton's contract and you bring up how he's making too much money, can any of you actually tell me how much money Chris Middleton is making this year? Does, can anybody tell me? If you are a Chris Middleton hater, off the top of your head, I want you to tell me exactly how much money he's making and why that's too much. I'll tell you. He's making about $30.5 million this year. That makes up about 23% of the Bucks cap, which sounds like a lot. But the bottom line, it look, there's only five guys who start. There's only, what, 14 guys on an NBA roster, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay, 23% should go to one guy because those five starters are pretty important. Giannis is their best player. Chris Middleton is their second best player. I don't think it's unrealistic for 23% of the cap to go to your second best player. Oh, he's paid too much. BS. No, he's not. You want a good player? You got to pay a good player. And they paid Chris Middleton this offseason, and he is living up to that contract so far. The idea of a number two is absurd. Is Chris Middleton good enough to be a number two? The ideal number two is just another number one. Like, LeBron's idea of a number two is Dwayne Wade, who's a number one. Or Anthony Davis, who's a number one. Or Kyrie Irving, who's another number one. And that's okay for LeBron. That's great for LeBron if he's playing in Miami or L.A. Or he's able to inherit Kyrie Irving through the draft. The Bucs don't have that luxury. So asking for a true number two, it's an exercise in futility because a great number two is actually just a number one, and the Bucks probably aren't going to be able to get another number one unless they trade for one, which would splinter the core of this team. So they sign Chris Middleton, and they're giving him, what, a fifth of their cap, which is not an unrealistic number because you want your number two, to be honest, to be a really, really good player. You got a good player, you got to pay him like a good player. Middleton without Giannis has been tremendous this year. And that's really the test. When Giannis is out, when he's on the bench, can your number two, Chris Middleton, carry the load? Well, he has been great. Chris Middleton's stats without Giannis on the floor. 32 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists per 36 minutes. He's shooting 50, 40, 94, which means 50 from the field, 40 from 3, 94% from the free throw line. That's a plus 12 rating. And by the way, the Bucks have yet to lose when Giannis doesn't play their 5-0. Chris Middleton has been tremendous. And for those who have been watching, like me, 
We found it really easy to forget about that big contract. We've made it real easy to forget about all the negativity and the controversy that surrounded Chris Middleton the last years because he's been so good. He's so smooth. He's so, he makes it look so easy, and he's so fun to watch. This Bucks team, by and large, has been boring this year outside of five or six games because they're so good. There's no controversy. There's no questioning. They just win. And Chris Middleton has been one of the bright spots, meaning he's really fun to watch, like Giannis, like Eric Bledsoe. But this Bucks team has lacked some intrigue for me because they're so good. I don't feel like I need to turn the TV on because I know they're going to win. I have fun when I watch Chris Middleton, especially when Giannis is out. I enjoy it. Chris Middleton has seven straight games now of 20-plus points. And, like I said, he's currently in that 50-40-90 club, which we all made a huge deal out with Malcolm Brogdon last year. So I think it's pretty unfair to ignore that when Chris Middleton falls within those statistics with a higher usage rate and playing a bigger role in the offense than Malcolm Brogdon did last year. In the five games without Giannis, Middleton in those five games has scored 28 points, 51 points, 21 points, 23 points, 24 points. He's been tremendous. He's a complete player who can attack from all areas of the floor. He complements Giannis perfectly. We talked about that last week, right? What the Bucs have perfected this year is getting the best out of Giannis and getting the best out of Middleton at the same time, which isn't easy to do. And I use the Packers as an example. The Packers had games where Devontae Adams went crazy. And they had games where Aaron Jones went crazy. But it wasn't until the end of the year where first-year head coach Matt LaFleur finally figured out how to use both of them simultaneously. Where Aaron Jones doesn't subtract from Devontae Adams and vice versa. They can coexist in their best forms in the offense. Chris Middleton and Giannis are coexisting perfectly right now. Chris Middleton might just be the best possible compliment, except for maybe Klay Thompson, to Giannis in the entire league. Just enjoy it. It's fun to watch. It's been lethal, and he's been efficient. Now, in our first segment, I said there's one part of Middleton's game that's really jumped out to me, and that gives me great confidence in the postseason. The most exciting and entertaining part of Middleton's game, in my opinion, and you might disagree, and that's fine, I think his mid-range jumper is lethal, and it's so difficult to defend, and it can be such a weapon for this Bucks game in the postseason. All of the emphasis right now in the NBA is on three-pointers and layups. That's what teams want to get. We want a three-point shot or we want a layup. Anything else in between is inefficient. It's not a smart shot. Well, defenses in the NBA are gearing to stop the three-point shot and stop the layup. That's what the Bucks do. They'll run you off the three-point line, and then they'll have Brooke Lopez waiting for you underneath the rim. Take the runner. Take the mid-range shot. We're taking away the three-point shot and taking away the layup. If you have a player that can do damage in that middle ground, get in from the three-point line, but not at the rim. That's what Kawhi Leonard did last year. Kawhi Leonard killed teams in the postseason in the mid-range jumper because their defense isn't geared to stopping a mid-range jumper because we've deemed it inefficient. All the focus has been on three-pointers and about on layups. What about that mid-range game? Defenses aren't gearing to stop it, so if you have an offensive player who can take advantage of it, you can be really, really lethal. That's what Kawhi Leonard did. That's where he did his damage last year. It was in that mid-range area. Chris Middleton is tremendous. He leads the league in mid-range shooting at 53% right now. 53%. And if you watch Chris Middleton, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He'll get the ball at the top of the key. Out in three-point range or even way behind the three-point line. And they'll bring him a ball screen. And he'll come off the screen and he'll dribble towards the middle like he's going to drive. 
So he gets past that first defender, and before the center, or the power forward, or whoever's patrolling the, the lane, before that player can come up to guard him, he'll pull up from the elbow, and he'll drain it. That reminds me of Kevin Durant. Now, I'm not saying that Chris Middleton is Kevin Durant, but the shot is very similar. Chris Middleton comes around that ball screen knowing he's going to get to his spot. He's going to get to that elbow, and he's going to get behind the first line of defenders, and he's going to pull up and shoot before the second line of defenders can come up and close out. Defenses can't stop that because NBA defenses are designed to stop three-pointers and layups. Chris Middleton is that weapon, and I say weapon because they can use Chris Middleton in the mid-range to really get defenses all out of sorts. And if Chris Middleton can play this way, can get on a hot streak like this, and be effective in the mid-range like we've seen the last couple of weeks in the postseason, look, the Bucks probably won't go farther than six games in any series in the East. They're going to sweep the first two rounds, and they'll get through the Eastern Conference Finals in five or six games because this team is that good. And if Chris Middleton can shoot 53% in the mid-range like he currently is, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to stop this team. And and the conversation is going to stop talking about, well, you know, who can beat the Bucs in the East? Who should the Bucs worry about? The conversation is going to switch to, are the Bucs going to sweep their way through the Eastern Conference? And that sounds aggressive. That sounds homerish. Sounds over-optimistic. Just watch. Just watch. Because Chris Middleton shooting 53% from the mid-range, that's just another piece of this team. I mean, how are you going to stop that? You can't. You can't. That's how Kawhi Leonard beat the Bucks last year. We could see the same thing from Chris Middleton in this postseason. When we come back, Chaco, Nate Weggy Howell from our sister station, 95.7 The Rock, is going to join us to talk football, specifically about the XFL, because he dedicated hours to researching and watching this weekend. Why? I, I don't know. We'll ask him. Coming up next, XFL Talk with Chaco on the way. Wisco Sports Show back in a moment here on WKTY. <laughs> Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've been talking Bucks. Yesterday, we hit every topic under the stars. We talked MLB baseball, talked XFL, talked Onalaska High School basketball. We really covered it all. And today, we're kind of following those same rules. We've been talking about the Bucks. And if you missed it, don't worry. The podcast will go up after 6 o'clock so you can catch up on what you missed right now. Uh, a very close, very good friend of the show. That's Nate Weggy Howe from our sister station, 95.7 The Rock. You might know him better as Chaco. And we've kind of turned to you, Nate, when we've talked about some wackier, more interesting topics. First of all, how you doing? Thanks for being here. I'm doing all right. And you know what? Honestly, that's the only thing that I'm really good for. <laughs> it's is obscure is, topics. It's talking to me about weird, obscure things. Yeah. I love that. And I know we, we like talking about music a lot. You're a big Neil Young fan. Oh, You're I a love blues Neil Young. fan. Uh, and obviously you work on the rock, so you like a little metal. I like System of a Down. I like a little Rage Against the Machine. We were talking about that. So I, I think everything we talk about is obscure, honestly, in some sense or another. Probably, yeah, that's probably pretty that's, close. That's probably a good way to, to set it up. And last week, I was talking to you a little bit, and I don't know you to be a huge NFL fan, or at least I didn't think you were a huge NFL fan. Is that I, I'm a bit of an NFL a fan. Bit. I wouldn't call myself a huge fan. I didn't I'll be honest, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, I guess that that sums it up perfectly, right? You didn't you didn't watch the Super Bowl. So when you told me last week that you were amped out of your mind for the XFL, I kinda laughed and I kinda wondered why. Like going into this weekend, you seemed very dedicated, you seemed very excited to researching, to figuring out who was on these teams and getting ready to watch these games. Can I ask you? Can I ask you why? Like that's not con- that's not trying to be condescending. No, no, just, of course. 
that's funny to me. Why were you so motivated and excited for this weekend? Because you're not a huge NFL fan. Like, what is it about the XFL? Short answer is, uh, I hate myself. Uh, (laughs) Long answer is, so I do like football. I'm not a huge NFL fan. I do like college ball. Uh, I do like watching high school football. Football is one of my favorite sports, I would probably okay. have to say. Just like watching it. It's it's fun. It's fast. You know. Big the, hits. There's big hits. There's strategy involved. It's got everything that I want uh, out of a sport. NFL, for whatever reason, over the last few years, I really haven't been uh, super into. XFL is different, is probably the easiest way yeah. to say it. So I have been aware of the end. Uh, of the XFL for a couple of years because, you know, I'm not I wasn't really cognizant in 2001 of this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it first aired in 2001 and it was a complete disaster in yeah, it was. every <laughs> way, shape or form. I would very much recommend you can find they called it the million dollar game, which was their big championship. Uh, like at the end of the season, that's all it was called the million dollar game. Yep. If you, it's on YouTube. I highly recommend you watch it if you want to watch just the worst game of football <laughs> ever played. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I was interested in this. I was thinking, okay, this was a disaster last time. Vince McMahon, wrestling magnate, uh, God. That's a good way to explain him. Yeah, that's probably the best way and only way to dis- to uh, explain him is in charge of it. He founded it. And he's been talking about it for a couple of years about wanting to bring it back. Specifically, in 2017, there was a document, uh, uh, 30 for 30 for 30. Yep, that's uh, it. Yeah, yeah. There was a XFL special, 30 for 30, where they talked to him about the XFL, and he was sort of. That's sort of when it came into his mind. I should bring this back. Uh, it's been long enough that people probably don't remember. <laughs> people forgot how bad it was. Yeah. So and yeah, then they brought it back. So that's those are the two reasons. I do like football. And, you know, I wanted to see something different, maybe something horrible. Sure. You you were going to be, you were either going to watch basically a train wreck or good football. And I guess either one was, a win. I mean, either one's entertaining. I'm yes, not going to disagree with you there. Either one would have been great with me. So were you amped when, the, so the AAF, that was last spring, right? They tried that last year. Yeah. And that was a, like, that was done. Like yeah, I barely was... even, I watched a game or two and then a couple weeks went by and it just folded like that. Yeah. I think the same thing for me. I think I watched one or two games. I can't even tell you the names of a single team. I can't either. Uh, Yeah. That was sort of. That was somehow even more of a disaster, I think, than the XFL. Yeah, which is difficult to pull off. Yes, it is. That is a feat. That is a feat to have something be worse than 2001 XFL. But it kind of happened. Uh, So, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Yeah. I I remember last Friday before I I was on my way out. I don't remember if I was going to. I was going to Alaska. That's what I was doing. And you were board opping for Mm -hmm. the game. So Mm -hmm. I kind of talked to you on my way out of the building. And I and I peeked at your computer screen before I left because you normally you can be found watching wrestling, even if it's like Chinese or Japanese wrestling. Like mm-hmm. you're just for the love of the game, for the love of wrestling. You're just taking it in somehow. And it wasn't wrestling, which is what I expected to see. You were on Wikipedia and you were reading about Cardell Jones. Like, I was. You were doing research for the XFL. Like you were amped for this weekend. Were you impressed? Were you disappointed when you actually sat down to watch games and you said you only watched on Saturday? I did only watch on Saturday because the storm sort of threw a big wrench in my plans yeah. on Sunday. So I watched the game on Sunday. So I guess combined, we we were kind of there the whole weekend. Were you disappointed? Were were your expectations surpassed? Like after the first weekend, where you sit? Because you were amped going in. I was. Overall, I am surprised. 
is what I will say. Okay. At how much of a train wreck it wasn't. Uh, from from every single aspect. So your expectations were low. They were very low. <laughs> and I got to say, it was fun. Yep. Uh, the football was, some plays were god-awful. Like, I do remember uh, it was the D.C. Defenders and the Seattle Dragons. There was just a blocked punt for a touchdown at the, it was like the end of the first half or something like that. That was just horrible just to terrible. watch. It was horrible to watch. Uh, but for there was also a lot of pretty fun, pretty good football being played, and that was that surprised me. And you know, a lot of like the gimmicky stuff and like the more wrestling aspects of yeah. the old XFL, those are gone. Uh, they got rid of the stuff that just causes injuries and just excess and excess of just I I don't even know what's happening anymore. Yeah, they streamlined it. They made it safer than it was uh, back then. They made it faster, they made it more intense, and they made it funner, is basically it. I think that's a good way to put it. I watched on Sunday, I watched the game, God, see, I can't even remember, it was the New York team, which uh, is the, the, the Defenders. The New York, or, yeah, the New York Defenders versus that DC. The, the DC Defenders, what was the, is it the Renegades, the New York Renegades? They played the they played the Vipers. Yes, that was the New York Guardians, <laughs> the Guardians. Uh, versus the Tampa Bay Vikers. Vi- yeah, Vipers, yes. The third or fourth, I got it on the third or fourth try. So I watched the, see, I already forgot, the Vipers play New York. Yes. That's basically what it came down to. Yes. I don't think, and, and I probably missed a couple of plays. Like, mm-hmm. I was turning it in a way. I was eating lunch. I was with my family, so I was trying to, you know, visit with them as well. I don't think I saw a running play, though. Like, there was not a whole lot of handing the ball off to a running back. That, that wasn't going on. Like, they were just heaving the ball. A lot of third and tens is what I was seeing. Like, was that just the game I was watching, no, or was this a really no, pass-heavy that was, opening weekend? That was the entire weekend, for the most part. There was one or two teams who I can't even... I think the Battle Hawks, the St. Louis Battle Hawks, had a couple of running plays. Okay. But for the most part, no, it was almost entirely passing. Uh, and I think that is something that is going to be changing. Uh, but I think, for the most part, the XFL is going to be a passing league. And one of the reasons that it is going to be a passing league, I think is due to the double forward pass, which is a brand new rule that they have in which you can, as long as the ball stays behind the line of scrimmage, you can have two forward passes. Which makes sense, by the way. It does make sense. Logically, and I've been watching football since I can remember, right? The NFL, you get one forward pass, Mm -hmm. and once you pass the line of scrimmage, there's no more passing. But it does make logical sense, even though I'm used to the NFL and their rules. It makes logical sense that you can throw a second forward pass as long as the ball stays behind the line of scrimmage. Like that makes sense to me. That that makes sense to me as well. That's that is, in my opinion, the biggest not maybe not the biggest play change because there's a handful of things, but yeah. that's maybe the most exciting to me uh, because and why we are going to see mostly a passing focused uh, season this season. I think it's going to be yeah, just a lot of passes. I wasn't able, I didn't catch a double forward pass in the games that I watched on Saturday. I may have just missed it cuz again, mm-hmm. I was I was here at the station here. I was walking or I was doing work and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you were working. I was working, but I was watching a lot of football while yeah. I was working. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't see one. I really look forward to seeing the first one that I find. The the first uh Double forward pass, I guess. Yes. And it can be a forward pass and then a forward pass. It doesn't have yes. to be a backwards yes. lap. Because you can lateral the ball and then throw it forward in the NFL. But this is Correct. that extra wrinkle they added. There were a lot of different rules. I think they kept the integrity of football alive, mm-hmm. right? They didn't completely mess with it like maybe the XFL did the first time around. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should go back and watch a little bit of the original XFL just because now you've kind of... like It seems like something i got to see. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, and, and that sounds fascinating to me. 
some of these rules make sense to me. Like mm-hmm. the point after touchdown, the one, two, or the three. Because I play intramural flag, and like I'm not being that guy. Like, well, I mm-hmm. play football, but like for fun, we play intramural flag football at UWL, and that's sure. how you do it, right? You go for one, two, or three. You're either from like whatever the two, the five, or the ten, or or whatever the rules mm-hmm. in the XFL. Like that doesn't seem completely gimmicky and screwy to me. Like, that that seems interesting. That, I agree. I that's I don't think that's too far out there. I think it drastically changes the game. I think it is pretty much going to be the first thing that you notice when you watch this. Is hey, they're not doing the extra point kick anymore. Yeah, they got rid of that, and because they did that because they noticed that it was pretty much just a free point. Like I, Basically, yeah, yeah it, it takes a pretty bad kicker to miss that extra point or a blocked kick or yeah. if they try and go for two or something. But otherwise, it's almost guaranteed uh, the extra point with the XFL. With these changes, they made it so it's not guaranteed. And even if it is guaranteed, well, if you don't go for three, well, and if you were tied beforehand and they yeah. get another touchdown, well, now they can go for the three points and they can get up. The fact that that three point try is available because you can go for two in the NFL. Mm -hmm. The fact that the three point try is an option, I think encourages urgency on both sides. For example, if a team is up by nine points or eight Mm -hmm. points in the NFL, if you're up by nine points, that's a two score lead and you can call plays a little bit differently. You can game plan a little bit differently. If you're up eight with the ball in the XFL, okay, well you have to have urgency to actually go and score because the team can go for three and potentially make up that lead a lot faster and without two possessions like you see in the NFL. So I think outside of the actual literal point after touchdown that rule has like ramifications and impacts Mm -hmm. all all throughout the game and throughout all the possessions and and i want to talk about some more of these rules because i think they're all fascinating and Mm -hmm. really what's interesting is people maybe theorizing that some of these moves could be adopted by the nfl Mm -hmm. i don't see it happening right away but they're interesting ideas and and i think that's a fascinating conversation as well we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and continue to talk about the xfl with our xfl expert that's chaco nate weggy how Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. We are being joined by a good friend of the show. That's Chaco, Nate Weggyhow, from our sister station, 95.7 The Rock. And, Nate, I talked about how you like wrestling, you love the XFL, you love Neil Young, you love metal music, you also love Jimmy Buffett, and I just think that rounds out just a, just everything about you. That's I, just a good combination of things. I don't know how you cannot love Jimmy Buffett. Uh, yes. Whenever you're listening to Jimmy Buffett, it's supposed to be in the single digits on uh, Thursday. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's going to be island time. It won't feel like it's in the single digits on no, Thursday. It, it, it's going to be island time. I'm going to be walking to class. I'm going to be driving to work just listening to maybe throw on boat drinks, maybe mm. fins. You know, just throw on some classics and it'll feel a lot warmer. Uh, and it just puts you in a good mood. And you, the reason Chaco is joining us, if you're just joining the show, he is, well, you've kind of made yourself the self-proclaimed XFL fan here at work. Uh, and you're doing research. When I left work and I and I took a peek at your computer, you were reading about Cardell Jones. And Cardell Jones actually looked pretty good this weekend. Like, he was yeah. up all around. So you have a couple in-game moments from this opening weekend that you wanted to talk about. So I'll just kind of, I'll let you go. Cardell Jones, you said there's a certain incident you wanted to cover as well. So let's get into that. Sure. So b- before I do get into that, I yeah. do just want to point out, uh, before the break, we talked about uh, two-point games. And the XFL, 17 points is still a two is still a two score game. Yeah. If you could believe it, which is crazy. Isn't that awesome? And yeah, it just leads to so much opportunities. So the first game that we are going to talk about, DC Defenders defeating the Seattle Dragons, which kind of made me sad because not really knowing anything about how these teams are going to play together. Seattle Dragons were was my team. It's just a dope sounding team. Uh, it's, it's an easy the one dragons. To pick. Yeah. So the Dragons were actually up for 
a good, decent while during this game. Up, They were up at half until what I am going to call the Dylan Day incident. Okay. So there was, uh, I believe they were on offense. The Dragons were. Uh, some stuff happened. Yada, yada, yada. Bit of a shoving match happened with Dylan Day and a uh, D.C. defender. Uh, personal foul. He gets uh, taken out of the game. Interviewer, because in the XFL, they interview players right on the sidelines there, which is a crazy concept to me. Yeah. Why would you? This incident shows why this is probably not a very good idea. It's problematic. Uh, Because he then dropped an F-bomb right there live on the air uh, on NBC television. Uh, Just Did they not have a delay? I guess not, because it did go silent. They did, like, censor it. Just a little late. Like, Two seconds afterwards, yeah. like he got the rest of his sentence out, uh, and then he did it. From that moment on, the very next play after that, defenders blocked a punt and ran it in for a touchdown. The Dylan Day incident was the turning point in that game. That is my theory, yes. After that, and then after that, the final score of the game was uh, 31-19. You know, the Dragons had 19 at the half, so I believe it was 19-16 mm-hmm. at the half, so they... They did not score again. Finished the after. game on a fifteen to nothing run. Did yes, Washington D.C. If I'm doing my mental math correctly, yes. And that is not all on the Seattle Dragons. Cardale Jones uh, is the quarterback for the D.C. Defenders. Uh, he was huge the whole weekend. He was huge. He had 235 passing yards total, uh, an average of nine yards per pass, which is pretty damn good. Pretty good. Uh, all thanks also to his receivers Rashad Ross and Kari Lee. He also had a uh, twenty. We were talking earlier how this is a passing uh, league. At least through one weekend, uh, and, yeah. Uh, and this kind of shows it. He had 28 rushing yards. <laughs> 28. And two touchdown passes. He did great. He uh, Cardale Jones, he was a quarterback for Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State. Won a national they, championship. Uh, they beat Wisconsin for the Big Ten championship in 2014. I remember it With well. Cardale Jones. And then graduated with his hat. Do you remember what it said? It said, I ain't come here to play school. Yes, I do. Because he, Legend. I believe he put out a tweet that said something like, I don't want to learn. I just want to play football. Yeah, and he got, in a, ball. he got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, he did. that's understandable. Yeah, you know, it happens. Uh, but the reason he never really made it to the NFL is because he only played 11 games in college. He only, and that's. You know, for someone who beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship to win the Big Ten Championship for Ohio State, that's kind of weird. Uh, but, I mean, Cardale Jones is now killing it here for the D.C. Defenders. They're going to be a team that you're going to want to be paying attention to, I think, uh, especially because of Cardale Jones. The other team to be paying attention to is the Houston Roughnecks. Ooh, is that right? The Houston Roughnecks. They defeated the L.A. Wildcats on uh, Saturday night, 37-17. to P.J. Walker, who is their quarterback, MVP of the weekend, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, four touchdowns, 271 passing yards. He uh, he made a ton of just phenomenal plays. Uh, I I think he's probably the best quarterback in the XFL right now. Really? I'm, I'm going to put him above uh, Cardale Jones. And Matt McGloin? And Matt McGloin. See, those are the only two names I know. Matt McGloin and Cardale Jones I do. What was the, the Roughnecks quarterback is... Uh, P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker. Uh, he's a shorty. He's only 5'11". But, uh, you know, 
And that's probably everything I was reading. That's probably the reason why he never really made it to the NFL. I believe he had a couple of seasons here and or here and there. I think it was mostly on the practice squad. He's only 24. He's football young. He's young in yes, football he, years. Yes, he is. And he, he has a really good season and career ahead of him. I think the Roughnecks, and in particular P.J. Walker, someone to be paying attention to in the upcoming weeks uh, as the season goes on. And I'm excited for the season. I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. I'll say that at the very least. There's some pretty good games happening this season. Uh, who do we have? The Roughnecks are going to be taking on the St. Louis Battlehawks. Okay. That's this weekend? That is this weekend. So there's games Saturday and Sunday every weekend, right? Yes. I kind of I kind of like that because, like, all of football season, you have college on Saturday, you have NFL on Sunday. It's mm-hmm. nice to have games on both days. Yes. There's not, you know, they only have eight teams. Yeah. So, and they have a kind of a shorter season. So every team is playing every week and it's two games a day. Standalone by themselves. So you're not covering up games with other games. Yeah. There's no like switching between channels and everything. I was going to say like, can you buy XF? If that were the case, then you'd have to buy like XFL league pass. So you could go to and from. I'm sure that exists. I'm I'm sure if if the league catches on, you know, those kind of things will probably begin. Yeah. Yeah. But they do air on NBC and on Fox. I believe they also had a game on ESPN Mm -hmm. on uh, Sunday. But uh, you have the two biggest networks, domestic networks, Fox and ABC slash ESPN. Like those are the two biggest networks. And when you have buy in from both of those networks into a league like that typically bodes pretty well. And Oliver Luck is running the league and Vince mm -hmm. McMahon. Say what you want about Vince McMahon, but like he's very successful he, for a reason. Yes, he is a very sm- business smart. He yeah. is a very business smart person. You don't get to be in the position that Vince McMahon is in without being a very business smart person. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, the 2001 XFL it was a disaster. I mean, there's no getting around it. This is not looking like it's going to be a disaster. They put a lot of thought into it. They put a lot of thought into it. They got some good players. You know, they have some interesting teams. They shook it up, but not like too much so that it's not unrecognizable as football. Yeah. Like the 2001 XFL was. Overall, I am excited for this season. I'm going to be, I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. I think the real test, and you can't, you can't make any conclusion right now whether the league is going to work, whether it's not. Because mm-hmm. opening weekend, people are going to watch, people yeah. want to check it out. And that was the case with the AAF too. But I think the real test is going to come in March or in the coming weeks when there's actually something else on TV. Yes, I think right? once you know, once we get to the NBA playoffs, March Madness, March Madness, once we get to uh, meaningful golf tournaments, like I'm not a huge golf person, but I, I yeah, I believe a lot of people watch those though. Yeah, I believe a lot of people, you know, watch the Masters. I watched Pebble Beach a little bit on Sunday after the XFL was done, but when there are other options, when there are other big events, Look, March Madness is going to pull more viewers than the XFL, but will the XFL still be able to kind of hold water? That's, I think, a big test. I think that's going to be the big question and the question that I am very eager to see what happens. Uh, I hope they do well. That's about all I can say right now. What's the playoff format? Do we know? I, I, I have no idea. I don't even know what the championship game is called. We'll get there when we get there, we'll I guess. cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I know the season is 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm fairly certain it's 10 weeks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happens after those 10 weeks. Uh, I, yeah. It can be a beautiful surprise when we get there. Yes. We'll, we'll the find first, out. The first time around the XFL, you said their, their championship game was called what? Uh, the million dollar game where each, te- the winning team won a million dollars, which when 
divvied out to all the players was not a lot. And split and taxed and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. But it has a nice ring to it, the million-dollar game. I think they made less money than a pro bowler does. Pro, pro bowler does. <laughs> pro bowler. Yeah. God. Did, uh, quickly, do you have a team that you're cheering for? Uh, Roughnecks, for sure. You're a Roughnecks guy? Okay, go Roughnecks. I like that. And that's PJ, PJ Walker's team. Yes, it is. I'm going to have to watch some Roughnecks this weekend. Uh, that, it. it's, it's, it'll be a good game. Heck yeah. Well, thank you, Nate, for giving us some time. And look, you have competition when it comes to WWE coverage on this team. Some of your cohorts on The Rock have said, great, you need a WWE guy, hit me up. So just know that you're saying, no, you don't even want to be the WWE no, guy. No, I, I am the WWE <laughs> okay. guy. We'll, we'll figure that out in the weeks to come because I know WrestleMania is coming up. Wisco Sports Show will be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Nate, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Talk to you all tomorrow.